Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. Your host, Nisi Edwards, is founder of the Fibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. I am your host, Nisi Edwards, and on today's show, the first half of the hour, we're going to have my guest, Sarah Ann Shockley, and she is the author of The Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living with and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain. And so the, the Pain Companion, it is a compassionate and supportive guide for creating a greater sense of well-being while living with physical pain, written with insights and wisdom gained from Sarah's firsthand experience of living with a debilitating nerve pain for over a decade. So welcome, Sarah, to the Pain-Free Zone. How are you? Thank you, Nisi. I'm doing pretty well this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. So we're talking about uh, your journey as well as the Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living with and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain. And um, I would like to first start with you telling us a little bit about your story and how you came to write The Pain Companion, because I find this fascinating, because when you and I first met and you shared with me your journey, I must admit that particular condition I was not very well versed in. And so thank you for educating me, because I know that this is a topic that's going to help many of our listeners. Okay, yeah. I have uh, thoracic outlet syndrome. I contracted it in the fall of 2007 from working on a non-ergonomic computer setup. So um, thoracic outlet syndrome is basically a collapse between the clavicles, the collarbones, and the first ribs. And usually it's on one side of the body. I got it on both sides of the body. And when that area collapses, it's a structural collapse. Um, what happens is the, there's a large muscle from the neck that goes through there and there's some nerve ganglia and the major artery and some veins. So all or part of those things get squeezed and, and squished in there and it's extremely painful. I unfortunately had it on both sides, as I said, and also all of those things were affected. Some people have it only affecting the nerve or only the muscles. So I got the super duper deluxe version of this condition and it's um, it basically it felt like overnight it really was being active, being responsible. I was a single mom and had to work all day long and then go pick up my son and take care of him in the evenings. And from one day being fine and overnight, I could barely move. So it was quite a shock to the system. It was also incredibly painful and debilitating. And I know there are listeners out there who maybe had not this condition, but are in some kind of condition where they're experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of debilitation. So um, it can be incredibly difficult to deal with and particularly if you're a parent you're trying to hold things together absolutely yeah it's really challenging so I do absolutely understand the awful challenges of being in quite severe pain and for me um, because I had it so severely there everything that we tried to do to make it better actually made it worse so the the physical therapy sometimes you can use um, didn't work the, there was no, uh, I tried a few medications. They didn't work. I'm not somebody who tends to, to want to take a lot of pharmaceuticals, but I was willing to try everything they threw at me. And they had terrible side effects and didn't really do much. I think a lot of people who have nerve pain know that, um, that, that dance you do with, it's, nothing seems to help. 
so for me, what, what happened is I was left, um, uh, pretty much on my own. You know, it was like we tried things, um, nothing was working. Everything was making it worse. And I think what's also true for a lot of people is at first, of course, you don't know that you're in chronic pain. You're just in pain and you're trying everything they're telling you to do. And you have this idea that you're going to be better soon because of course you are. And for me, it took about the first year to, realize and one of my doctors had to say hey Sarah this is not getting better in mm. fact this is progressive you're probably going to get worse and worse you know this is not going to go away you're going to have this for the rest of your life and it could become even worse and that hit me like a ton of bricks because here I was with no medical resources that were helpful to me and I'm still a single mom trying to pull things together and I'm faced with the fears that so many of us have about, well, will I get disability? Will anything cover this? Who's going to pay for this? Can I keep my home? How how am I going to take care of my child? And so all of those things fall on your head as well in the midst of being in terrible pain. That's a lot to, to deal with because having yeah. chronic pain, those are just additional stressors. So for our exactly. listeners out there, uh, if you have any questions for Sarah Ann Shockley, please call our listener line, which is area code 888-463-6748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT, G-O-F-O-R-I-T. Okay, so um, Sarah, I, one thing I want to ask you is with the thoracic outlet uh, syndrome, what were some of those symptoms? I mean, when you were dealing with all this, how long did it take you to get a diagnosis? Well, um, t as we call it TOS for short, so we can shorten it down to TOS. Okay. It's actually kind of difficult to diagnose unless you really know what you're doing. Um, I happened to stumble upon a doctor who knew a neurologist who understood this condition. So I was very, very lucky. Many people go a long time before they get the correct diagnosis. It's, it's not hard to diagnose if you know what you're doing and you know what you're looking for, but many doctors don't understand it yet still. Um, it's not that it's, I guess it's kind of been around for a little while, but it's becoming more prevalent. It's kind of like what whiplash used to be. Nobody understood it. Nobody thought it really existed. What's that? I can't see it. So, huh? Do people really have it? It's been through that kind of um, phase of people not being able to understand what it is or if it exists or or how, how it works because it's, um, it doesn't look like anything from the outside. And it's, uh, something that you can do an MRI scan to see, but you have to do a very specific one. So, um, because it's structural, it's not a disease. It's not a, it's, it's, it's difficult to see it. So I, I had a, um, neurologist that knew what he was doing and he knew how to do the exact tests. And so I was very lucky to get an early diagnosis. So that happened in the first few months of my, you know, what was going on. Um, I also went to a physical therapist who recognized it and said, you need to go see a neurologist who knows what this is. So I had some really good help early on. Um, where people should be aware of it, however, because it has to do with computer use. It, you can get it from a quick impact like a car accident, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are getting it from sitting too long in front of our computers, particularly when we're kind of hunching over the top, top part of our body and we're kind of texting and hanging over our screens, um, that's that's one to be really careful to not allow that area to collapse like that. And so, so to spend time pulling your shoulders back, to get up and to move around, of course, we should be doing that anyway. 
but that's how I got it was I'm six feet tall and I was working on a, a like a mini keyboard. So, um, and, and not taking a lot of breaks. I just had to work through the day and then get on and pick up my son. So, um, so it's a collapse in the upper part of the body and we're seeing it more and more, unfortunately. Well, you were very blessed to have a team that recognized it quickly and was able to take action because as you were speaking, one of the first things that came to my mind is, you know, with TOS, a lot of people probably have experienced this or are experiencing it and, you know, I hate to say this, but some of the healthcare providers may not even be looking for this. They could be Absolutely. saying it's just a strange sprain, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, electrical muscle stem or whatever, whatever, you yes. know, yeah. and, and you should be good to go when that's not the case at all. Yeah. And the thing about TOS, it's that's, um, you know, there are some things like if you sprain an ankle, you have something going on you can work through it. You know, they kind of want you to muscle through it or, you know, keep work through that pain. TOS gets worse when you try to muscle through it or work through it. You're actually making the condition worse because it has to do with inflammation of the nerves and inflammation of the tissues and you're making them more inflamed. And so some of the, you asked about some of the symptoms, it's, it's tingling in the hands and the extremities. It's, um, you can have shooting pains up your arms. Uh, a lot of my pain was in my neck as well. And it's hard to turn the neck from side to side or up and down. Um, it, there's a lot of deep aches in the body. It feels like you almost have a an abscessed tooth in your neck, mm. if that makes any sense, and the yes. palms of your hands. It travels down your back, and it travels down the back. Usually, for me, it was the back side of my body. Uh, it goes down all the way down into your feet so that you can have deep aches in your feet. You can have the ningle, tingling. Um, you'll get numbness. I would wake up with one, you know, side of my body numb. <clears throat> that went away quickly and mostly turned into, um, the nerve pain, which also involves a lot of burning. So it feels like your whole body is on fire. And when it's really bad, it goes up into the brain. So your brain feels like it's on fire, which is extremely uncomfortable. And I might say rather scary. Yes. So. You really, this is not a condition you want to push. You need to pull back and relax as much as you can. And this is how I came to, you know, finally get around to the first question you came up with was, you know, how did you write this book and why? Is that I, you know, there was nothing for me to do. I couldn't do any exercises. I couldn't do anything that would make this better. In fact, after I'd had the MRI scan, my neurologist said, no wonder everything you do makes it worse. Because it's so, you've got such an intense version of this. So the, the only thing I could really do was, uh, pull back. And that leaves you with feeling kind of hopeless and helpless and powerless. And, you know, what do you do with that? So I had to learn to be quieter. I had to learn to stop doing things. My son did a lot to help me, which was fantastic. I had to learn to do the laundry and help me with the shopping and everything. But you're also, there you are, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Just not do anything. I went to a surgeon, um, thoracic surgeon who said, don't have the surgery. There's, there's one where they take out the first rib. Okay. Um, it's kind of a horrible thing, but for some people it helps them. I was too far gone and he said, don't do it. It'll be horrible and long recovery and it won't help you. And I said, thank you, you know, for being honest. Most <laughs> surgeons are like, let's go in there, you know, so, but he explained the condition to me very, very well. So I really understood it. But he also said, as much as you can, keep your hands by your waist. Well, if you put your hands by your waist and you keep them there, you notice you really can't do much. That's I mean, true. what do you do? <laughs> with I'm your doing hands that now. <laughs> you can't reach for anything. You can't lift a coffee cup, you know. 
So that, and that was really, I mean, he wasn't kidding. He was like, I don't, you know, drive hardly at all. Uh, don't, don't reach for things. Don't pull things to you. Don't lift things up. To, well, okay. So that leaves you with very little that you can do. So I spent a lot of time doing nothing, which was very difficult because I'd been extremely active person, athletic. And of course, as I said before, the responsible person for my, my son and our household. So I had many days where I was just living in terrible pain and not being able to do anything about it. And that's when I started looking at, well, what, I can't do anything on the outside. What can I do on the inside? You know, how can I go inside of myself and find a way through this? Um, I spent a number of years kind of just getting by, you know, just being stoic and I couldn't fight the pain because that made it worse. It's a lot of, a lot of, for, for a lot of us, that's our go-to is we, we fight the pain. We do everything we can to, you know, do our exercises or whatever we're told to do or take our pills or, you know, we do the treatments, we do the protocols and we're fighting it. And sometimes that works. And many times for those of us in chronic pain, it, it actually, it's not doing, you know, it's not moving it along, but I couldn't do that. And so I got very stoic and just put up with it. And really, I did that for, honestly, about five years, a long time of just slogging through being in a lot of pain and trying to be a mom in it. And I, there was a moment when I finally said, I can't, I cannot see doing this for the rest of my life and it possibly getting worse. What am I going to do here? And I had used journaling in the past to sort of write out um, and move uh my emotional pain or even just to, to write about what was happening in my life, kind of figure things out. And I thought, well, I can barely hold a pencil. I can barely move my arm, but could I, you know, with a big fat felt tip pen, just begin to write the pain out of my body in a sense. Can I just start doing something? So I started writing very slowly, very painfully. I couldn't bend my neck down. I could barely hold the pen. So I'd write these sloppy sentences without looking down. And I could write like a sentence at a time, literally. And then I'd have to get up and walk around because sitting was really painful and holding any position for any length of time was very painful. And uh, I slowly, slowly, slowly began to write about what it was like to be in pain, in that much pain, how mm. I felt about the pain, how I hated it, how it felt like an invader, how it took over my life and my body and what was going on and, and asking all the questions that you ask of yourself, of God, of life, you know, just ranting. I ranted for a while. And I, uh, I also began to ask questions. What's going on here? Why is this happening? What can I do about this? And I started also after a while writing letters to pain. Okay. I just said, dear pain, what's going on? Why are you still in my body? I've been doing everything. I've been a good girl. You know, why is this still going on? And I didn't get any immediate answers, but what happened over time, and I did this for, for a couple of years, actually, because it was slow going and it was all I had, but I noticed that as I did it, I began to feel just, just a tiny bit better. Not so much less pain, because writing was painful, but I began to feel better around the pain, if that makes any sense. The me that was also there, despite the pain, began to feel a little more relaxed, I felt a little more like something was happening. And after some time, I decided I needed to read those notebooks back to myself and see, you know, it's like you, you rewrote all this. You're going to need to read this just as part of whatever this process was. I didn't know what it was. I was making it up. 
but I read them and I cried a lot and I got angry and, but I also saw myself. I, I witnessed myself in my pain and that might sound like a really not pleasant thing to do. On one level, it, it, it was hard. I, I did go through a lot of emotions reading, you know, like, wow, this has been really hard. Oh my gosh, how difficult has this been? But it also allowed me to honor what I'd been going through, to recognize it, to see it, because no one else really can do that for you. That's Nobody so else true. can see your pain. Nobody else knows what you're going through. And I felt very alone, as I know many people do, especially as a single mom, but so many of us feel so alone in our pain. Because on one level, we are the only ones who really, really, really know what we're going through. And I, I recognized as I read through this that things were starting to feel just slightly better, just tiny. You know, when you're in a lot of pain, you notice the tiniest change. If you have <laughs> you a do, tiny yes. little let up, you're like, whoa, I can, I can yes. move my arm a little more or that shower wasn't so horrible or, you know, whatever. You know, I walked a little further today. You. So I noticed a tiny little release in in reading it to myself, and I recognized that, oh, wow, I've been going through not just the physical aspects of pain, but the emotional aspects of living with chronic pain. And I hadn't recognized it because, for one thing, the doctors don't talk about it. They no. don't see it. It's visible to them. Nobody else I knew was talking about it. I didn't have any books or, you know, I didn't, and I wasn't going to support groups. I was a single mom, and I didn't want to really go into a group of a whole bunch of people talking about pain that didn't, it didn't, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Plus I couldn't barely drive. I could barely sit in a chair for more than a, a couple minutes without having to pop up and walk around. I was embarrassed about that. Um, and I couldn't barely open doors. I, you know, it was just embarrassing for me to go anywhere. And I know that's true of a lot of people. It's hard to get out because you feel bad about being in pain. And you know what else that occurred to me it's, as you, as you were speaking is, the journaling piece, um, as you were speaking, it just brought back these flood of memories because yeah. it was for me in 2012 that I started doing a lot of journaling. Yeah. But in 2012, I hadn't been diagnosed with fibromyalgia yet, but mm -hmm. it was a lot going on with me at that time. So yeah. when I started journaling and then when the fibro started, I kept journaling. One day, Sarah, I went back to read those yeah. notes and it was so painful and I thought wow unbelievable this was yeah. me this this is this yeah. is what was going on but first I had sadness but on the other side of that sadness I had a lot of joy because I said okay I, you know look how far I've yes. come since yeah. that so yeah the other part of your um your situation is when you were talking about the the way that pain affects the way that we feel about ourselves mm -hmm. that reminds me a lot about mindset you know because when you you mentioned you're a single mom so yeah. uh, a lot of single moms out there with this have a variety of different things that's going on especially when you have a chronic condition oh my goodness because it yeah. feels like there's the weight of the world on your shoulders everything you have to think about in terms of okay i have a child to provide for a child to take care of i need to take care of myself how am i going to be able to yeah. do that 
Exactly. It's so challenging. It's so challenging. Yes. And you can feel like you're sinking into this well of despair, especially when it's hard to just get up in the morning. When you have so much pain, you can barely get out of bed. You can barely, you know, get a shower. You can barely help your child get ready for school. It's really, really challenging. I'm very, very aware of that. And one of the things that I have found that has helped me through these challenges is to, first of all, as we were just saying, recognize what's going on, recognize and honor and respect. Not only are you in physical pain, you're dealing with this loneliness, you're dealing with this sense of, of oftentimes powerlessness and, and how do you work with these things? So that's a yes. lot of what I write about is I find, I looked at myself and said, wow, what, like you, I said, wow, I've been through a lot. I also noticed, wow, I am a really strong person. I just came through this and I'm still yes. in it, but I, I've made it this far. And you can see, you know, a lot of times when we're in pain every single day. We don't recognize the little tiny movements that we're making. We don't recognize that we just got through another day. We know it's, we're just trying to get through the day and it's really helpful to, to kind of look back and say, Hey, I made it this far. I'm on a journey. I don't like it. I want it to be different, but here I am. I've been through a lot and to just kind of recognize what's going on and it helps relieve that sense of, um, you know, isolation and, and because sometimes it's only we see ourselves, but to be, to be able to see ourselves clearly and to be able to recognize and kind of congratulate ourselves and to also a- allow ourselves to understand, oh, I, no wonder I feel this way or that way. Of course, there's all this going on. That may seem obvious, but it really isn't. Because most of us are dealing with the physical pain only, and we're kind of neglecting our emotional selves, understandably. But but that adds to the level of pain we're carrying all the time. So beginning to recognize our emotional needs and taking care of them is really important. And then what I discovered in the process of doing all that is looking at my relationship to pain itself. Okay. So, yeah, and that's a big one. And I know we're we only have a few more minutes, but I do want to touch on that. No, please, con- please continue. Okay. And in addition to that, I want you to touch on how do we um, honor that? Yes. So, so part of what I recognized in looking at myself and what was going on and kind of seeing that more clearly is, wait a minute, I, I have to relate to myself differently in this and honor what I'm, what's going on. It's not, oh, I've made a mistake. This is awful. This is terrible. It is awful and it is difficult. But it doesn't mean I'm awful. It doesn't mean I'm a mistake or I'm wrong. And so to begin to see myself differently and to begin to see my relationship to pain differently. So often, you know, when we're in pain, what we usually do is we recognize it as something we don't want, of course. Of but course. we're taught to push against it, to to we want to end it and we want to um hopefully as quickly as possible, make it go away. But in that sense of it being the enemy, we have to end it, we have to make it go away, we're pushing against it, we're resisting it. And as soon as I say that, you know, part of me still even, and I'm sure part of, you know, listeners are saying, wait, wait, what do you mean? You're going to welcome pain? Well, not really, but there's a spectrum of how you can be with the pain in your life. And on one end of the spectrum is treating it as the enemy and fighting it. We kind of draw that battlefield line and pain's on one side and we're on the other side and we're going to duke it out with pain and we're going to win. Well, what happens in chronic pain is nobody's winning. We're just no. stuck on that battlefield. And we're every day we put our armor on and every day we fight pain and it's exhausting. So that's one end of the spectrum and that's mostly what we're taught what to do with pain. The other end of the same spectrum is to give up. And that's yes. what I did for a long time. Kind of be stoic, do that, okay. It's here. I'm just going to live with it. And we just put up with it. 
I'm talking about something there's a whole lot of of choices in between those two extremes of how to be with pain. And I'm talking about something more in the middle there where you're realizing, no, I don't like this. I don't want to be in pain, but I'm also not going to give up and I'm not going to acquiesce to it either. So how do I find that place to be with pain where I'm not battling it, but I'm not giving into it either? And what I found and, and, I encourage listeners to experiment with this and and see what their relationship with pain is and how they can shift it. But what I found is if I can think of pain as something that is, okay, it's already here, it's in my life, it's in my body, rather than thinking of it as the enemy, thinking of it as, okay, what is pain? It's a signal from the body. It's a messenger. It's something that's really from me to me. It's me talking to me in a way. It's my body talking to me. We always think of pain as something absolutely separate from us that we're going to kill and end and fight, but that makes us fight ourselves. Pain, is, in, a, in a way, pain is the voice of the part of us that's asking for attention. It's the voice of the part of us that wants to heal. And if we can just make that subtle but extremely profound shift in the way we see pain, all of a sudden everything Everything shifts. You say, wait a second. Okay, what if I pull back from the battlefield and I think of pain as something that's trying to help me heal, even though it feels awful? What if it is the part of me that is trying to heal? What if it's an aspect of my healing and I can honor it as that? Doesn't mean I have to like it. Doesn't mean I want it to stay around. But let's pull away from that that locked in place. Because that's what we do when we're battling, battling, we're, we're locking in our pain, we're locking in our emotional pain. It's really hard for anything to move. And physiologically, we're clamped down on it. We often aren't breathing very well. We're very tight in our bodies. We're trying not to feel that pain, so we're kind of trying to contain it. So it also has, it has aspects psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, all aspects of ourselves shift when we shift our relationship to pain. So just beginning to open up to the possibility that pain has something actually to offer to teach us and, you know, imagining that instead of having a face off with pain where it's in front of you as the enemy, you're kind of moving it to be beside you and saying, okay, let's partner up pain. I don't like you as a partner. I didn't invite you here, but you're here. Okay. So, okay, here we are. Let's walk down this path together. I don't particularly want you to be with me, but you're with me. So instead of fighting you, I'm going to ask you, what do you need? What can I do for you? What are you asking me for that I'm not giving you? What do I, you know, and that is a very different way of being with pain. That's so true. One of the things, yeah. And one of the things I suggest people might try is to imagine pain sitting in a chair opposite you. Just imagine <laughs> your pain sort of sitting there next to you in a chair opposite, you know, and you, and, and just, you know, imagine what it looks like to you. It could look like anything. It could look like a little kid, it could look like a fiery demon, it could look like anything, you know, just, let it sit there. It might surprise you that it doesn't look as, as horrible as you might think it might have. And just say, not say, what are you doing here? But, well, you might have to get through that. You might have to do that for a while and then get to the other side of that. But finally saying, okay, here we are together. What can I do for you? What are you asking me for, actually? And you'll just let yourself, it's you talking to you. So just let yourself kind of receive a sense of an impression. You might you might hear something in your mind. You might just have an impression. You might just be able to relax a little bit, which in itself is huge if you can relax around pain. And you might get some some answers or some ideas as in, okay, let's just let's just take it easy. Let's stop fighting. Let's start, 
you know, doing something differently. Let's look around and see things differently. It opens your mind up into greater possibilities when we stop fighting. And all of a sudden, you have different ideas about what you can do or what maybe you should not be doing. Maybe you need to just really step back and take it easy and stop pushing, 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 which is hard for a lot of us in our culture. Yes, really hard. It is. But sometimes that's what the body is asking for. It's yep. just, it's, you know, stop trying to make everything okay, even though you're still in pain. That's true. And, yeah, and beginning to find ways to reconnect with yourself and with life again, even as the pain's still there. So there's, so you're starting to reconstruct your life little by little, even as the pain's still there and things start to feel a little better and a little better and a little better. And I can attest to this because I've been doing this process for some years now and have made significant changes in the level of pain, absolutely significant, and just from doing this because I had nothing else that A I could do. A question for you. Yes. So um, two things. So when you um, – I've always felt, based upon my personal experience, that pain is a sign that something in your life needs to change, mm-hmm. as that was for me. And, and the reason why I say that is because I was going, 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 type A personality, just going and doing all the time. And, you know, your body sometimes gives you these warnings. You know, you need to slow down. <laughs> yes. You you need to get rest. You need to take care of yourself. And you just override it, you know, and yep. you, you just continue. You continue. You can continue. And so for some people, it may not be the physical pain that they're dealing with. It could be the mental anguish, mm-hmm. uh, depression. Uh, it could also be spiritual. Now, what I want to ask you is when you say honor it are you because i just want to clarify for the listeners are you specifically saying is i'm going to use an example of honoring it by number one acknowledging that is there uh Mm -hmm. because oftentimes i've met a lot of people with chronic pain and they'll say nope i'm not going to acknowledge because to acknowledge means to accept it which i told you know which i totally disagree because let's get real it is there yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know, there's a fear. We have a terrible fear that if we give pain anything, it will take over everything. Yes. That if we acknowledge something, that means we're saying yes to it in the sense of, yes, I want it to stay. And that's not but what it's we're our saying. Resistance. Right. It's our resistance to things that keep them around. It's our pushing against. When we push against things, that's kind of locking them in place. We find that in so many different aspects, not just in pain, but in so many things in life. So acknowledging it and honoring it means you are giving yourself credit for having come through it you are saying you're you're looking at what is what's here what's actually happening but it doesn't mean you're saying i want it to stay it means you're saying okay here it is i'm going to look at this with clear eyes i'm going to kind of back off from the fighting aspect kind of look at it with with what i call kinder eyes just give yourself kinder eyes. You, you're, you're not wrong for being in pain. This was not a mistake. You don't have to beat yourself up either. Just this is just what is. And you don't even have to know why, unless it's a me- medically you need to know. But in terms of like why, 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 you know, asking God, asking the universe, why, why, just let that go. All of us are going to meet pain in our lives. All of us who are human. I mean, it's <laughs> a part of the human journey. We're going to meet pain on the path. There is no, that's, that, that's going to happen. It's going to be, it might be physical, it might be emotional, whatever. We're going to meet pain, we're going to meet loss. It's how we meet it. It's how we are with it. That's what is important. And it's how we honor who we are in that and how we are, you know, as people in that. So it's not like, oh, I made a mistake or or this is wrong, this is wrong, let's get rid of it. But just say, okay, here, I've met this. I didn't want to, but oh, here it is. 
Thank you and for clarifying that. With it. Yeah. And then the other thing yeah. is, um, I know that you advocate that people tell their their pain story, and mm-hmm. uh, I really like that idea because I hear a lot of people say. People tell them all the time, oh, you need to stop talking about it. If you if yeah. you talk about yeah. it, it's going to go away. No, it won't. It's still yeah. there. It, yeah. I, I found that by talking <laughs> yeah. about it is very, it can be very therapeutic. You yes. know, it can. Yes. yes. And I, I, there are, there are different ways to talk about pain. And one of the ways is, is, and I understand when people say you shouldn't talk about it. Um, they're talking, well, for one thing, it's that fear that if we talk about something, it'll make it bigger. Um, or if we recognize or look at something, it's going to give it more, you know, somehow it's going to take up more space. So, but avoiding something and resisting it actually doesn't help it move on. We have to kind of be with whatever it is that we need to be with. The same thing, very similar to grieving. I find pain is similar to grieving and there is a lot of grieving actually in living it with is chronic pain. You very know? much so. And it's, yeah, and it's allowing the, the person to have the loss that they have had. So in the sense of pain, it's allowing yourself to be in the pain you're in. That sounds sort of like, um, it sounds counterintuitive, but it sounds also sort of like, well, how could you not? But honestly, most of our energy is spent trying not to be where we are, especially when we're in some kind of pain, emotional or physical. And it takes a lot of energy to resist it, and it's um, it's not conducive to healing. It doesn't mean it's, and I know we feel like, oh my gosh, if I if I'm in it, if I let myself be where I am already, it's going to get worse. But it's so it's very counterintuitive. But actually, as you allow yourself to be where you are and recognize it, acknowledge it in the sense of, okay, here it is. This is what's going on. Doesn't mean you're collapsing. It means you're allowing it to be where it already is already. It's already here. Then you can move forward. But you you can't move when you're locked in that resistance place. That's part of the problem is denying it or or pushing it away or not talking about it kind of locks it in. So when I say um, that I advocate people telling their pain story, it's not running around saying, oh, this is horrible. Oh, look at me. You know, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. That's one way of talking about pain that nobody wants to hear about. It's true. Yes. But, you know, when it's the woe, oh, woe is me, because that's not really constructive. That's just, that's, you know, that's staying in the same place. But what I'm talking about is finding, you know, maybe one person. You don't have to do this all the time. You might only have to do this once. But finding somebody who's able to really be with you and sit with you and listen and be with you in your pain. That might be somebody who's in your family. It might be a friend. Um, usually it's uh, doctors usually aren't able to do this. So it's usually going to you may might be a therapist might be able to do this. But somebody you're going to ask them not to try to help you and fix you and give you advice. You see, hold your advice. Just don't, listen. I don't want to hear that. Just listen and just be with me in it. Just see it with me. That's really, really important. There's something really profound about another human being seeing your pain. And again, it's a little bit scary because you think, oh, if they see it, it's going to make it more real. No, it, it, it's, it's part of the acknowledging pain itself seems to feel better when it's seen. I know that that sounds maybe a little bit odd, but it is again part of you and you're acknowledging part of you. It's like the little kid at your, you know, at your, at your, um, pant and they're pulling on you oh i need something hello and you're like go away go away go away and they're like "Ah," and you go away and then you finally bend down to their level and you listen to them and they stop whining and you kind of talk to them and ah this is what you want you're kind of doing that with pain you're just instead of saying go away go away go away you're stopping you're saying oh 
you haven't gone away because I've said, go away, go away, you're still here. So let's try something else. Let me just sit down next to you and listen and look. And so same thing, you're asking somebody else to do that with you. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how hard it's been. And if they cry with you, that's great. Have them, you know, they can feel things, but they need to just listen and not, you know, you've got to set it up with them ahead of time. Please don't try to fix this. Please don't try to tell me it's better than it is. Please don't try to tell me how to make, you know, how to how to get through this. Just be with me. And that's huge. And that can be a huge relief just to have somebody know where you're at and then not try to make you be different. True, because they can't fix you and you're not looking for them to fix you. Exactly. And and listening is so powerful and profound because if we take the time to listen, we may learn something. Along the way that can help us in other areas of our life, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, just that, that process of, of feeling seen and heard is absolutely huge. And your whole system, your whole body, everything about you relaxes. And I have found it helps relieve the the physical pain as well. Does it all go away instantly? No, it doesn't. At least it hasn't for me. I'm sure some people have instant, you know, instant healings but i have not experienced me either that. and most of the people <laughs> that i know that with chronic pain um have not experienced no, that it's either a, it's a journey it's a journey it's a process for some reason we're on this and we have to say okay here i am this is my journey and pain is part of my journey and as soon as i can say it's an aspect of my journey i may not like it but i'm uh, you know it's part of it it's part of what i'm meeting in life here how am i going to be with this that's what i need to look at well, thank you for being with me here today in the studio. And um, thank you so much, Nisi. I really you, enjoyed it. Um, t- uh, share with our listeners today how they can connect with you, how they can obtain um, the pain companion. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on my website at www.thepaincompanion.com. So that's easy to remember. I also have a YouTube channel with little meditations for people in pain. It's also called The Pain Companion. So that's also easy. And I write a blog called The Pain Companion. So you can find me on Facebook, too. Um, in terms of the book, you can get it. Any any of your local bookstores can either, either carrying it or you can order it there. Or of course, you can order it online anywhere you want, Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Or, so it's all over the place. So it's The Pain Companion. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And you must come back again. (laughs) Thank you. I'd love to. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. You too. Okay. So we're now in the second half hour of the pain-free zone. And so I want to take some time today to talk about mindset. And we talked about that a little bit with Sarah Ann Shockley today, author of The Pain Companion. And Prior to her coming on the air today, I knew that this was a a topic that I wanted to discuss. So those of you who have chronic pain, I want you to take some time to, to think about the effects that living with pain has had on your life. How do you feel about yourself, your identity, your image? Let's address that for a minute. Because oftentimes we feel ball and chain, ball and chain in that we are tied to our pain. So everywhere we go, we're pulling that ball and chain and it's coming with us. So how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a failure? Do you see yourself or feel that you can never be healed? 
have you given up? Where are you at in that spectrum? So with myself, when I was first diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and this was going back to 2014, I had a lot, a lot of anger, uh, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, uh, a lot of frustration. So I had a lot of anger because number one, um, my pain, I had been bullied for two and a half years on the job in corporate America. And in addition to that, I had developed fibromyalgia. So I had a lot of anger due to how I was treated on the job. And in addition to this illness, and I just felt that, you know, I was so used to being the type of person that I feel that I can control different aspects of my life. You know, many of you may feel the same way or you can relate that. Okay, if something's not going the way you like, maybe there are some things you can do to get back on course. And this was frustrating because this was a situation that no matter how hard I try, nothing seemed to work. Even in the case of being bullied, when I confronted the people that were bullying me, it didn't get any better. Um, it wasn't physical or anything like that. But what they would do would be when I would confront them, they would go behind my back and continue to sabotage my work. They would undermine my staff. And so they were, I would say, passive aggressive and very sneaky in terms of the things that they would do. So they set out and orchestrated a plan to try to basically, I feel, and I still feel this way today, to destroy me. Uh, they didn't destroy me. I'm still here. In fact, I'm stronger than ever before. But when you're dealing with bullying in the workplace, it or even if you're not in the, the workplace, just bullying, period. Think about the children who have been bullied. Think about the effects that it has on their mindset. So in the case of children, you have many of them who do not want to go to school. They become very depressed. In the case of adults, you don't want to go to work. You become depressed. You become very angry. If that's left unchecked, that leads to health problems. So again, my mindset was full of, I'm going to be honest, rage, anger, and the one thing I've learned was I had to change my mindset in order to stop feeling the way that I was feeling and to stop experiencing the negative side effects of those emotions. Because if you're in tune with your body, you're going to recognize quickly those signs and symptoms. So by that, I mean, I had observed that when I got really angry, guess what happened? My blood pressure would rise. I would get really bad headaches. I would feel sick to my stomach. I just did not feel good. These people who had bullied me, they were going on with their life. But here I was still holding on to this anger and this rage. I had to let that go because I recognized, you know what? And I asked myself the question one day, Nisi, why are you giving these people power over you? And I thought about that for a minute because, see, the power over me was I was angry because I felt they won and I lost. Actually, no, that wasn't it at all that I've learned because I'm going to tell you something. When you are dealing with a chronic illness and bullying and other issues in your life, we deal with a lot of things. That takes a lot of strength, uh, you know, a lot of strength to deal with all that. 
Uh, a lot of people, you know, they commit suicide and they do other things because they get to the point where they just can't handle it anymore and they don't want to deal with it. But for those of us who have not gone that route and decided, you know what? No, I'm not going to commit suicide. I am going to fight for me. I am going to change my mindset because if you stay down all the time feeling depressed about you and your situation and you begin to feel that there is no hope, there is no way out, basically that's affecting your mindset in a really negative manner. And not only that, it's taking you to a dark place. And if unchecked and you don't get any help, that's going to put you closer to the edge of destruction. So in my case, I recognize that, you know what, I'm bigger than this pain. Yes, these are painful things that happen to me. I don't wish them upon anyone, and I'm going to overcome this somehow, some way. I'm going to stay on Hope Avenue, and I'm going to figure out a way to deal with this. So when Sarah was on the show this morning, one of the things, if you were listening to the show, you noticed that she talked about journaling. That's actually what helped me deal with my mindset because think about it for a minute you've got so much going on inside of you you're grieving a lot of things in my case i was grieving losing my job because i had to stop working um i was grieving just having to deal with that situation of being bullied and having no support that was very very painful so i was grieving not having a support system also around that time shortly thereafter my beloved siberian husky dakota she passed away so i'm dealing with a lot of loss think about it uh, a loss of job a loss of health my beloved uh, pet a loss of income all that affects you in different ways and that was grief and I never had a doctor who ever said to me, Nisi, you need to take the time to grieve what you've lost. You know how you go to the doctor and they ask you what's going on and they ask you those questions about depression. Do you feel depressed? You know, how many days have you had where you just felt that there was no hope? How many days have you just felt that, you know, you just didn't care anymore? You know, you may have seen that those lines of questions on the questionnaire that your doctor asks you. And I really sometimes don't know why they ask you that because sometimes they just skip right over that. And I would notice that. And then they made me realize that sometimes they skip over it because they don't want to deal with it. Not all doctors, not all clinicians do this, but some of them do. They skip over it because they're already stressed for time. They want to get you in and out of that office. But clinicians and doctors that really care about you as a patient, as a person, they want to see you live a fulfilling life. And they're going to deal with that mindset issue. They are. They may tell you to go see a therapist. They may tell you that you need talk therapy. They may tell you you just need to go see someone. They may even ask you, why do you feel that way? It was my therapist many years ago who brought it to my attention and I was sharing with her my story, just like Sarah was saying today. 
You need somebody that's going to just listen to you, not try to fix you, just listen to you. And my therapist that I was seeing at the time, we had like uh, maybe an hour session. And through that entire hour, I just talked and talked and talked. And she just listened very intently. And then when I finished, she said to me, thank you for sharing your story. She respected me and she respected and honored the story that I had shared with her about my experience on this journey with chronic pain. And the only thing that she said that I remember was, you've gone through a lot. She affirmed that. She validated that and me. And she also said to me, she says, you know, I see the pattern of loss. You've lost so much. You've lost your job. You've lost your income. You've lost your beloved pet. You know, you feel that you've lost your health. I really felt that my body at the time had betrayed me and let me down. So you see the point that I'm making your mindset, how you feel about yourself, the things that you believe about yourself. So I had to come to grips with all those things and then some because the chronic pain, the way that I was feeling about myself, my identity and my self-image, it was affecting my health. Now, a lot of people I've met, their self-identity is all tied up into their jobs. So if they lose their job because of chronic illness, they're totally depressed because when they would meet people and people would say, who are you? They would identify themselves based upon their job title. That's not who you are. That's what you do for a living. But for many people, their whole sense of purpose, their whole sense of self and self-image is tied into that job. That's for a lot of people. So if that is you, I, I want you to pull back. I want you to start meditating and journaling and praying about that situation because we cannot let our lives become so intertwined with what we do for a living. We cannot lose our identity over a job or a title because if you have a chronic illness and you have to stop working today or tomorrow and you've lived your entire life based upon a title, what are you going to do? So I became more, I really, the best way to explain it to you is that I reintroduced myself to myself, whom I was, and I learned a lot about myself on this journey. Some of the things that I learned about myself was that I was a very creative person. I've gotten involved with the creative arts, photography, uh, taking my own photography. You know, a lot of times what I really love to do that I find that has been very therapeutic dealing with mindset is I like using my Nikon camera and I'll take images and images can tell a story. So think about that. Images can tell a story. So you'll notice on Facebook as well as Instagram, they have Facebook stories or Instagram stories. So if you're in the chronic pain community, what I would like you to start doing with the weather being nice, go out there in nature, wherever you go, bring somebody along with you for safety and start taking pictures. It don't have to be a Nikon. It can be your Android. The, it can be your iPhone, whatever camera that you have on your cell phone or whatever mini camera that you have. So start thinking about taking pictures of images that represent to you your pain. 
your pain story, your pain journal. Okay. You can use those images, put captions on those images. You can upload that to Facebook and Instagram as part of your own story. So think about it. Take some pictures, find some images out there that best represent how you are feeling. So sometimes I go out, I take pictures that represent how I'm feeling for that day. So I remember once it was in the rainy season. I was out at the forest preserve and I had noticed that the pond and the lakes had overflown with water. It was flooding. And then the water um, over, over was taken over and flooding the sidewalk. I snapped that image because when I looked at that, I said to myself, hmm, okay, I want God to overtake me with his blessings. I want God to just flood me with blessings. That image that I took represented what visually I wanted to see in my own life. So that's what I'm talking about, the creative side. So pain is a sign in your life that something needs to change. So instead of fighting that, I recommend that you use it. Use that pain. Use that situation to push you towards your goals. In the beginning, it may be hard. You may be in a lot of pain. But over time, never give up. Stay on Hope Avenue. Always keep your options open. You may be saying, well, what options do I have? Even though you have chronic pain and you may have to stop working, we still have options. You you have an option, number one, to keep living. You have an option that you're not going to give in. And keep growing. Keep exercising your mind with knowledge. Keep researching what you can do to better yourself. Just because you have chronic pain or chronic illness doesn't have to mean that life is over for you. Find a hobby, find a skill set. And I guarantee you, if you take the time to listen to your body and to ask it, what are you trying to tell me about me? What are you trying to show me about me? And if you listen quietly and silently, you may just learn something about yourself. And if you're prayerful about it and you're trusting God, he will show up and reveal to you things in your life that you need to face, confront, and deal with. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is Nisi Edwards, and I'm the host of The Pain-Free Zone. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day.